bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, May 1st, 2018. About a week ago, April 23rd to be exact, marked an interesting five-year anniversary for Novogratik Company LLP prepared and released report. So what report was that? Well, it was a report on how the tax reform proposals then being considered would affect low-income housing tax credit investments. To no one's surprise, the report found that lower corporate tax rates would lower low-income housing tax credit yields and thus create a downward pressure on cents-per-dollar low-income housing tax credit equity pricing, which in turn would mean fewer affordable housing units would be built or preserved. The report was released on April 23, 2013. And for several years, we all actually wondered if a lower corporate tax rate would ever happen. Of course, four and a half years later, last December, corporate tax reform was enacted. And unfortunately, the adverse effects foreseen by our report five years ago were realized or at least are in the process of being realized. With that in mind, let's turn now to this week's podcast. This week, I'm going to share some updates on HUD's Rental Assistance Demonstration Program. The update features insights from HUD's own Tom Davis. Tom heads up HUD's RAD program, or I should say heads up the department that oversees HUD's RAD program. Then, I'll discuss HUD's rent reform proposals, as well as two congressional hearings, and what we know about the recent Republican House member retirement that creates a vacancy on the House Ways and Means Committee. After that, I'll share some good news from the state of Wisconsin about Wisconsin's state historic tax credit. And from there, I'm going to close out with some renewable energy news on efforts to repeal the 30% solar tariff. If you're ready, let's get started. Last week, we at Novogratik hosted our first ever RAD public housing conference in Philadelphia. We were honored to have as a keynote speaker, Tom Davis the director of the Office of Recapitalization at HUD. The Office of Recapitalization at HUD oversees the Rental Assistance Administration, or RAD, program. Davis talked a lot about how the RAD program continues to evolve. Part of that is the growth in volume. The recent omnibus spending legislation boosted the cap for the RAD program from 225,000 to 455,000 units. And after he finished his keynote address, Davis told us that the program has been a collaborative work in progress since it was first launched. Here, he is in his own words. So since the program was uh, created in 2012, we've really been uh, sort of constantly looking for ways to improve the program. It's uh, a lot of the improvements have been as a result of good ideas that have come from housing authorities and their development teams that have been uh, figuring ways to stretch their dollars, figuring ways to take better advantage of the resources they have available. We're constantly soliciting ideas on that score, trying to think of ways we can uh, tweak the program to make it more impactful and more effective. And uh, we've also made a lot of improvements, learned from uh, the lessons of the early transactions and made improvements on how we do the work. Davis said there have been 316,000 units reserved so far, and 90,000 of those are from the past year. He also highlighted the importance of making sure the RAD experience is a positive one for residents. 
and also a lot of enhancements in the resident protections and uh, ways that the program uh, takes care of uh, ensuring that the residents who were there before the project can come back and uh, ensuring that they are treated uh, properly with respect to relocation and that their right of return is, is respected. Davis said that public housing agencies, investors, and developers continue to learn more about RAD and that he expects more guidance from the agency by late summer or early fall. The program is sort of a like any demonstration. It's uh, one that you want to learn from the mistakes and make better, and we have uh, been doing that pretty continuously and uh, hope to be continuing that for uh, the, in the coming months as we develop the next version of the uh, notice that governs how RAD works. And with that, I want to say thanks to Tom Davis for his insights on RAD and joining us in Philadelphia. Now, you can read more about the RAD program in my column in this month's Novograd Journal of Tax Credits. In the column, I discuss how RAD has progressed, and I offer a few suggestions to further improve the program. I've included a link to the column with today's show notes, and I've also tweeted a link to it. Now, if you have any questions about the RAD program, I encourage you to reach out to a Novogradic office near you. If you don't know a particular person who focuses on RAD within Novogradic, I'd encourage you to reach out to Rich Larson in our Toms River, New Jersey office, or Nick Hain in our Austin, Texas, and El Paso, Texas office. And while we're on the subject of HUD programs, I wanted to say a bit about one of the news headlines from the past week, namely HUD rent reform. HUD Secretary Ben Carson last week released legislative text proposing sweeping HUD rent reforms. Now, these changes would affect public housing, Section 8, project-based rental assistance, Section 202, properties for the elderly, and Section 811, properties for disabled tenants. One of the major changes is increasing the what's known as rent burden standard. HUD proposes increasing this rent burden standard from 30% to 35% of a household's gross monthly income. Now, the current 30% of adjusted income rent burden standard for public housing has been in place since 1981. And studies have shown that if households spend more than 30% of their income on rent, then affording other necessities such as food, clothing, transportation, and medical care can become much more difficult. Now, the minimum rental rate under these proposals would be about $150 per month or $50 per month for seniors and disabled residents. Now, as you can imagine, housing advocates fear that the proposed rent increases will hurt housing vulnerable families who already are struggling to make ends meet with fixed incomes. Now, the proposal did mention a hardship waiver, but as you'd also expect, many are skeptical that the waiver process would be enough to protect the millions of renters who will experience rent increases. Under the reform proposal, the HUD secretary may establish alternative rent structures, like tiered or stepped rents, in timed escrows, as long as the number of families are served are the same. Now, PHAs and owners may also propose alternative rent structures of their own design, subject to HUD's approval. Now, the proposal would also give public housing agencies and owners the option to impose work requirements for those receiving housing assistance. Now, Carson's plan is called the Making Affordable Housing Work Act of 2018. And at this point, the document is just a proposal in the form of legislative text. For the rent reforms to be enacted, 
a bill would need to be introduced and passed by Congress, and then, of course, signed by the president. This HUD bill has not been introduced in Congress. That said, I will note Republican Representative Dennis Ross of Florida has circulated a similar discussion draft bill on which a House subcommittee hearing was held last week. Subcommittee ranking member Emmanuel Cleaver expressed concern that Ross's bill as written could lead to large rent increases and could limit the mobility of vouchers. Cleaver suggested fully implementing the Housing Opportunity Through Modernization Act signed into law in 2016 rather than enact the Ross proposal. Now I'll be keeping an eye out on both the Carson and Ross rent reform proposals and we'll provide updates in future podcasts as warranted as well as on Twitter. Now, let's turn briefly to two congressional hearings held last week. First, the Senate Finance Committee last Tuesday held a full committee hearing on initial impressions of the new tax law. This hearing was meant to spark discussions on what kind of technical corrections are still needed. Witnesses at the hearing discussed everything from the international aspects of the tax law to how the new law affects domestic businesses and individuals. What I do want to highlight is the opening statement of Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch. Hatch outlined some of the tax law provisions that he said are so good that all Americans can be pleased with them, no matter their political party. He noted the establishment of opportunity zones as an example of a good provision that draws investments into underserved communities. Hatch's support for opportunity zones falls in line with much of the positive feedback we've heard from legislators on the new incentive. Now, speaking of the new tax law, the Joint Committee on Taxation's Chief of Staff, Thomas Barthold, told attendees at NYU lecture last week that his staff has been working on technical corrections even before the new law was enacted. He said that Joint Committee on Taxation continues to receive input from the public and stakeholders on possible technical errors. Barthold said that the Joint Committee staff is also producing a blue book to identify some areas where technical corrections might be needed. Bartles said the timing of a technical corrections bill depends on when the chairman of the tax writing committees will want them introduced. Now, the other hearing last week that I wanted to note was in the House Transportation, Housing, and Urban Development, or THUD, subcommittee. This hearing was on how Federal Housing Administration, or FHA, programs would be affected by HUD's fiscal year 2019 proposed budget. The witness was acting FHA Commissioner Dana Wade. Wade is also the General Deputy Assistant Secretary for the FHA Office of Housing under HUD. Now, Wade expressed support for expanding the RAD program and maintaining FHA's multifamily platform. And speaking of the FHA, the Senate has still not yet confirmed the present nominee for FHA Commissioner, Brian Montgomery. Now, reportedly, Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois is holding up his nomination because of her concerns about HUD's actions to shut down the Cairo Housing Authority and its public housing without an adequate plan to take care of residents. And I'll keep you updated in future podcasts if and when that does change. I now have a brief update from the House Ways and Means Committee. Namely, there is a new vacancy on the tax writing House Ways and Means Committee. Ways and Means member Representative Pat Meehan of Pennsylvania announced Friday, last Friday, that he's resigning from Congress. Representative Meehan said he was resigning from Congress in order to end the Ethics Committee's investigation into allegations of misconduct. Now, Meehan, earlier in January, had announced that he would not seek re-election this year. But 
With his resignation in effect of this Friday, the process to find a replacement for his seat in Congress, as well as on the House Ways and Means Committee, has been expedited. Now, in other news, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker recently signed a bill to increase the per-project cap for the state of store tax credit to $3.5 million. That's very significant. It's significant in part because it was Walker who imposed a $500,000 project cap last fall. For years, Wisconsin had no cap on the state credit, but pressure last year led legislators to propose a $5 million cap. Now, that's what was done in the state budget legislation, but Walker used his line-item veto authority to reduce the cap by essentially deleting a zero and a comma. If you take $5 million and eliminate a zero and a comma, you end up with a cap of $500,000. Now, with the signing of this recent bill, the state store tax credit cap will increase to $3.5 million starting July 1st. I have a link to the bill in today's show notes. And if you have questions about the impact of this on a particular project, please reach out to my partner, Tom Bosha, in our Cleveland, Ohio office. Later this week, I'll be in our San Francisco office. Yes, I am sometimes in San Francisco. Uh, in order to attend our Novogradic Renewable Energy Tax Credit Conference. As such, it's only fitting that I close this week's podcast with a renewable energy note. Specifically, a bipartisan group of House lawmakers introduced a bill recently to repeal the recently enacted solar tariff. Now, the bill references data from the Solar Energy Industries Association that estimates that 23,000, that's right, 23,000 American jobs would be lost because of the 30% tariff placed on solar cells and modules. Now, under the bill, tariffs would default back to previous rates and companies that have already imported affected solar products under the new tariff would receive retroactive reimbursement. If enacted, the bill would be effective retroactively to February 7th, 2018. That's the date the solar tariffs became effective. Now, the bill is called the Protecting American Solar Jobs Act, and it's been referred to the House Ways and Means Committee. Well, that brings it to the end of this week's report. As noted earlier, later this week in San Francisco, we'll be hosting our Novogratic 2018 Financing Renewable Energy Task Force Conference. I hope to see many of you there at our conference. The event is this Thursday and Friday, May 3rd and 4th. If you haven't registered yet, there's still time. I'll share a link to the conference homepage where you can register in today's show notes. I'll also send out a tweet. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik & Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.